You're listening to Hello Vancouver. I'm your host, Temple Lentz. Thank you so much for joining us. We're here today with Sharon Pessett, Executive Director of Partners in Careers. Hello, Sharon. Hello, Temple. How are you? I am great. And thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. So let's just jump right into, so Partners in Careers or PIC. Tell us, what what is PIC? Well, Partners in Careers is a nonprofit that helps people get back to work. It's as simple as that. We work mm-hmm. with lots of different people, and our main goal is to help them overcome the barriers that they've had to finding employment. So what are some of the ways that you do that? So a lot of it is finding out where they are and what they've done, and then figuring out a way to make the best use of their talents. Uh, most of our work is done in a work experience. So we give people... Um, opportunities to go out and work for nonprofits and government agencies to build some work skills. Many mm-hmm. of our people have never worked before, or if they have worked, it's been a, a poor work experience. Okay. Cause that was uh, raising the question for me of, so who is kind of your target market? Who are the people you serve? One of our biggest groups are people that are on public welfare. Mm-hmm. So they're on TANF. So temporary aid to needy families. Mm-hmm. So these are parents that have children who are not able to find a job. And so a lot of times they face multiple barriers, and that might be mental health, it might be drug or alcohol addiction. Mm-hmm. A lot of them have criminal backgrounds, and that makes it really difficult. One of the other things they face in many cases is a lack of education. Mm-hmm. And so they don't have their GED or their high school diploma, which really makes it tough to get a job. Yeah, absolutely. And do you help them achieve that education or find jobs that they can get without it? Our goal is to help them get the education. So we okay. actually have an education navigator in our building that mm-hmm. teaches GED classes. If the, the youth, if they come in as youth and they're young enough, we try to connect them back to high school. And we actually have some youth programs that do just that. We work within some of the local high schools to help them stay on track to graduate. Mm-hmm. And then while doing that, provide them with some skills as well as the work experience piece, which, as I said, is kind of our niche. Uh, if they're adults, we provide the GED or send them on to other trainings. In the event that that isn't going to be possible, we do send them to certific- get them, help them get certifications where they can get jobs that are beyond the, you know, just the basic you know, labor jobs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so uh, how do they find you? So most of our referrals are made through for the, the people on welfare are made from a DSHS, mm-hmm. so the Department of Health and Social Services. And so if they're in there, if they're receiving uh, TANF benefits, so they're receiving some cash grant, food stamps, they are eligible for our programs. And so they meet with their case manager at DSHS. Mm-hmm. They send them over if they think we're a good fit for them, if it's that work experience piece. Uh, and then they come in, we assess their skills, we put a plan together, and then we work in getting them out in the community and becoming successful. And you talked about uh, giving them the work experience they need to kind of get the job. How does that work? What do you do? So we do some assessments to see, uh, first of all, what kind of skills they have, what kind of experience they've had, Mm -hmm. uh, and what their interests are. Because we also know that they're going to be much more successful if they're working towards a job that they actually want to do. And then we work with our nonprofit partners and our government agencies who will, uh, they're, they're considered a work site. So they Mm -hmm. interview with them if they think it's a good fit for both the job they're doing and the environment. They go out and they actually work 20 hours a week for that nonprofit mm-hmm. as an employee of PIC. Ah, so so you're paying them, keeping them in your program, and the nonprofit is getting the benefit and giving them the training. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. So it's kind of a, a wraparound services. Mm-hmm. We make sure that everyone then is on board with where this person wants to go. Yeah. What are some of the types of jobs that people get through the program? So the Humane Society is a big partner for us. So mm-hmm. they work both in their retail store 
uh, doing merchandising or warehousing or uh, inventory, sometimes cashiering. The, they also work in the shelter, so they can become you know, working with the animals or doing the cleanup, or sometimes it's office work. Uh, we've had some work for the county courts doing clerical work, which is a really wonderful place for them to be and kind of a career path. They also work at the Boys and Girls Club. They work at uh, Divine Consign doing mm -hmm. some retail. They work for CMAR or for Columbia River Mental Health. So most of our nonprofit partners uh, take in the participants mm -hmm. and then they help them you know, set some goals and, and receive some skills. And so what happens after somebody sort of finishes that program? The ultimate goal is they get employment. Mm -hmm. So they, usually in the, the program where they're uh, on public welfare, they're with us three or six months, depending on their barriers. So we're working with them to resolve if they have um, addiction issues or mental health issues, or we work with them, the criminal backgrounds, there's not much we can do other than to help them tell their story. Mm -hmm. uh, but the goal at the end is we need to find them employment. So we're hoping that this experience then prepares them. During that time, we're working on their resume. We're working on other skills that they might need. Mm -hmm. We help them learn how to interview, and then uh, we support them through that process. Once they receive employment, we'll support them even afterwards to make sure that they can continue to stay employed. Because one of the things we found, it's easy to get a job, but keeping a job requires a little bit more information, a little bit more talking about communication mm -hmm. and teamwork, and, and how do you get along in a workplace if they've never been in a workplace or they've never seen it role modeled they don't know. It's not yeah. okay to say, hey, it's going to be hot tomorrow. I don't think I'm going to come to work. And so we help them through yeah, this. We yeah. help them kind of figure out what, what is acceptable and what's not. And so that's, that's kind of how it works. The outcome for all of our programs is to get them employed. Excellent. Yeah. Are there other populations that you serve in addition to those who are on the public assistance? Absolutely. We work with homeless veterans. Uh, so that's homeless male veterans with children and homeless female veterans. And that, that contract is the entire Portland metro area. Mm, so wow. we work in Clackamas, Washington, and Multnomah counties, as well as Clark County. And so you're the only provider who offers that service for this entire metro area? For this metro area, absolutely. My goodness. And so it, that one, again, the biggest priority there is get them employed or get them housing. So we work with Impact okay. Northwest. We work with the the hotline to get housing. And that's our number one priority because mm -hmm. if they're not housed, it makes it really difficult to keep a job. And then we get them housed at the same time we're working on their skills to get employment. Um, part of that program is our Roots to Road program, which is a farming program that we do to help the veterans learn small scale farming and retailing mm -hmm. experience. And so at the 78th Street Farm, Heritage Farm mm -hmm. on, on Padden, we have an acre and a quarter where they grow produce throughout the summer. And that helps them teach those skills. And then they take some of them to the farmer's market. And we also take produce to our sponsors and other agencies that are dealing with food insecurity. Great. So so that program specifically serves homeless veterans. What's the size of that population? Like, I don't even know how many people that would be. We work with about 50 homeless veterans a year. Wow. So it's, that, um, yeah. That seems like a lot. It, it is a lot. <laughs> It is a lot, and they, and as I said, it's a whole Portland metro area. Yeah. So we count on our partners in the area that work with veterans to help direct those veterans to us, mm -hmm. uh, so that we can provide services and training and and different supplies and things that they need. When they find themselves in that situation, what has usually led to that? A lot of times, it's alcohol. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. there's a lot of um, alcohol and drug addiction, a lot of PTSD. Yeah. The younger veterans that we're finding uh, that are coming back. The PTSD is significant. And so what the farming program does, it helps them, one, become part of a team again, which is part of the military experience. Mm -hmm. But it also gets them out on the farm. 
and it's very therapeutic for them to be out there in the dirt, tending the plants, something to focus on uh, while they're they're trying to get the rest of the of the things they're dealing with kind of together. So housing and then the mental health and their VA benefits. Sometimes that's a struggle, you know, yeah. to get those squared away. So we work on all those elements. Fantastic. Yeah. Are there other programs that you offer? Yeah. And we could go on for quite a while, Temple. But <laughs> so the next one is that we work with immigrants and refugees. Mm -hmm. So people that come into this country, they're reset, being resettled, uh, coming through community services or commu Lutheran community services. Mm -hmm. And then we help them with English as a second language. So we have um, English language classes from Clark College on site at PIC. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's a real benefit because they go to classes there and then they come see our employment specialist then on how to how to get a job, uh, especially with low, lower level English skills. Mm -hmm. uh, we work with a lot of partners that understand that a lot of our manufacturing partners um, will in warehousing will take them. Uh, many times they have someone who speaks that language in their organization that can help direct. But also there's a lot of Russian um, owned companies mm -hmm. that are more than willing to take in immigrants and refugees. So we work with our partners again to help them find that experience. They tend to be highly motivated mm -hmm. and usually pretty highly skilled uh, when they come into this, this country. The biggest challenge they have is English. So we work on getting their English skills up, getting them in a position where they're connected and, and finding out about our country. I mean, to think about even telling them how do you read road signs mm -hmm. and how do you understand you know, how that all fits together uh, is something that you don't think about. Yeah. But when you're de dealing with immigrants and refugees, that whole cultural integration is, is a big part of what we do. Mm -hmm. So, What are the parts of the world where uh, most of the immigrants and refugees in our area are from? So we're getting a lot from Russia and Ukraine. Mm -hmm. uh, we've had a lot of Syrians uh, come through and Iraq, people from Iraq and Iran. Uh, and we've been seeing more Micronesians. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's been a new population for us. And um, we have some, we have bilingual staff. We don't speak every language, so we right. do the best we can. Mm -hmm. And then the, the real key is to get them up and running with English as soon as possible so that they can really grab a hold of what's going on here and, and become integrated. So Fantastic. Yeah. So and what else? What else? Let's see. We work. We have a very small population of seniors. So seniors are living at the poverty line. We have a small program to help them. And again, many times it's someone who's been out of the workforce because they've been taking care of a family. Mm -hmm. And then they find themselves, especially through this recession, needing to work again. Mm -hmm. And so we find ways to, again, give them work experience, sometimes retraining and skills that, you know, because when they were working, they weren't dealing with computers. That's usually the biggest yeah. challenge is how do we help them learn those skills? And so that's one small program. We also have a large number of youth programs. And those programs were developed about six years ago, kind of in response to what we saw was happening with our adults. I mentioned the lack of education. Mm -hmm. uh, and the other piece that we saw was a lack of connection to community. So we started a program called Youth First, where we worked in local high schools to help these kids make sure they stayed on track to graduate. Mm -hmm. It was really important that they got that diploma. And in doing that, we concluded some community service as well as the work experience, which again is our kind of our hallmark. Uh, of what we do, and really figuring out, helping them figure out that there are people out there that can help them be successful. We have mentoring events where they sit across from someone who has a job that they hope to have someday, and they talk about what does it take to get there? Mm -hmm. What's it like? And so this mentoring piece is huge. Uh, we do interviewing where we have people from the community come in and do mock interviews, and the kids progress through those to, to learn how do you do that? How do you tell your story? How do you get yeah. someone excited to, to want to hire you? Mm -hmm. uh, that program then is for our in-school kids. We also have a program for out-of-school. So youth that are 17 to 24 who have not completed high school, 
can come into one of our programs, help get their GED, or if they're young enough, they can get connected back to high school, get that diploma or that, mm-hmm. that GED. And then again, we work with them on a work experience. They do community service. They do leadership activities. And so we're trying to move them forward and, and give them this base mm-hmm. from which to work from. And then we also, about a year and a half ago, almost well, coming up on two years, uh, we're part of a coalition that brought a program called Youth Build Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And that is a construction-based program where, again, kids that are 16 to 24 who have dropped out of school come back in, they get education, they get some national certifications in construction, and then they help build a house for Habitat. Oh, that's great. And uh, we've got one house finished and, and handed over to the family, and it's just been exciting, and we'll continue to build them throughout the course of the program. So, nice. Yeah. The, that relationship with other agencies and organizations uh, raises the question for me of how does PIC interact with uh, the social service agencies and other nonprofits in the community? Well, again, most of our work sites are nonprofits and government agencies, so we have a really close connection there. And we work with them to not only place people there for their work experience, but we also refer people. So we have a, a very strong collaborative effort at PIC. We have many of our partners are on site. The Washington State Department of Veteran Affairs is on site. Uh, they have offices there. Impact Northwest that does rapid rehousing mm-hmm. is on site. Clark College is on site. Uh, we just really work with our partners to provide those resources. So the referral piece, the the work experience piece. We we meet frequently to kind of talk about what the issues are and how do we best support all the clients. So it's a very collaborative nature. We co-enroll many students. So if, if there's something they can benefit from, in another program, we try to make sure they're connected with the ultimate goal of resolving their barriers so that they can they can go out and sustain employment. So a few years ago, we had the deep recession. And on the surface, it appears that our community has really uh, gone a long way to crawl out of it, to, to get through the recession and then to start the upswing again. You know, you're seeing development again. You're seeing more employment uh, is that the case? Like for the people that you serve, are they seeing an improvement over how things were just a few years ago? Absolutely. So there are more jobs jobs out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, two things happened during the recession. One, many people that were skilled found themselves unemployed and were looking for new employment. So that was a different subset that mm-hmm. Partners in Careers really hadn't worked with before. These highly skilled, highly motivated, all of a sudden I find myself out of a job and and had never expected that. So there was this piece of you have to really deal with who they were and how you move them through the system. The other thing was all the lower level jobs that students or entry level jobs were being taken by people that had far more experience. Mm-hmm. That has changed. So people are getting more jobs. Those people that were out of a, out of, out of out of a job, unemployed, mm-hmm. have now most of them have rebounded and have found something. Maybe not to the level they were, but moving up that. And so it's freeing up some lower level jobs. Uh, We're still not seeing youth fill those as much. Hmm. We're still seeing adults Mm -hmm. fill that. So many of the jobs that I would have had as a, as a young person don't exist. So our, our youth don't have this experience um, readily available to them, but they are, people are getting jobs. And so they are finding them. It is fairly competitive. It's a very different job search market. Mm -hmm. You don't get a job today like you did three years ago. Mm-hmm. You don't fill out an application or go into a business and fill it out and hand it to them and they make a decision. Chances are you're going to do an online um, application. Mm-hmm. You may even be required to do an online profile where you you put your profile out there and then they select. Most of those are used for electronic screening. So mm-hmm. they'll look through and see what your experience is to see if you have the 
words that they're looking for. They put keywords into those um, mm-hmm. services mm-hmm. and they figure out, do, have you done these things based on the keywords that you yeah. include in your resume or your cover letter? Uh, so the jobs are there. So the people that we're working with now have pretty significant barriers to employment. Mm-hmm. I mean, the things that they're facing are much more difficult to overcome and, re- and are much more complex. So the market has greatly improved and you're seeing people move from place to place. You're seeing employers interested in hiring and interested in training because they figured out through the recession, it's easier to hire somebody with the will and the attitude and train the skills, Mm -hmm. especially since many of these jobs are changing so quickly. You know, we have to, as you've heard the school say, they have to train kids for jobs that don't exist and they have to figure out what that looks like. And that's kind of what's happening in businesses figuring out Hire for attitude, and we can train the skills. Mm-hmm. And so that that's a benefit for us. Um, the Probably the biggest challenge we face that hasn't changed is the criminal record. Mm. You know, if they have a criminal background, there are so many jobs that they're not eligible for based on employer preferences. Mm-hmm. There's some they're just not eligible for because it requires a certification or licensing of some sort. But most employers struggle with hiring someone with a record. Yeah. So how... How does somebody who has a record get past that, work work through it? It's really tough because in the state of Washington, they don't expunge any records. So it doesn't matter how long it's been or what mm-hmm. it was. It, it stays on your record. If you're a juvenile, you can have it sealed at a certain point, depending mm-hmm. on what it, it is. So basically what they have to do, one is learn how to tell their story. And we work very hard on helping them do that, helping them understand what they've learned through their experience how they got there and how they're never going to make that same mistake. Mm-hmm. And so in some ways it's a benefit, but it is a risk for an employer, you know, especially yeah. if someone's had a theft charge or, or assault. I mean, there's always that concern. Mm-hmm. So then we look for employers that have, um, that are, they call them felony friendly. So people that are willing to take a chance. Mm-hmm. And usually those are people that we know and that we can say, we think this person is worthy of a second chance. Um, and so we will put our personal, um, selves on the line when it comes to an employer to say, we just, you know, we want them to know that there's a challenge. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously they do the background check and then we should have them share with what they think they can share. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, so. Well, that seems to make sense. I mean, you're out there, you're working with these people, so you get to know them. And if you make a recommendation, it's based on actual experience and you also know the employers. So you're starting to get to know who will be receptive to, to taking that kind of chance. Absolutely. And we won't put anybody out there that we don't think is a good, is a good risk. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is a risk. Yeah. Uh, And most of our employers have, have been, you know, they've been pretty successful. You know, we always have the ones that aren't, and we've been involved in some terminations. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're there. If they're having a problem with an employee, we'll come out and we'll be part of that conversation. And we have been there for some terminations because we want to support the employer as much as we do the employee, because it is this partnership that we're trying to create and helping the participants know how they need to be active partners. But helping the employers as well, because it is different. Aside from a criminal record, what are some of the biggest challenges that the people you serve face? Housing. Housing is number one. Mm -hmm. Stable, affordable housing. Um, I would say probably 75% of our participants are struggling with housing. Mm -hmm. Some are truly homeless, living in cars, Mm -hmm. uh, which is heartbreaking when uh, they come with their families and and you know that they've simply come from the parking lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some are doubled up. Some are living with family. Uh, many times, you know, that it seems like a doable solution. But when you understand the family dynamics that, you know, this, they may be in there, they may be living in that house 
and the family may be not be quite as willing. And so there's always this passive aggressive or there's this underlying yeah. tension that exists. And at a moment's notice, they could be asked to leave. Mm-hmm. And so it's very difficult. Uh, so housing is probably their biggest portion. And even then, when they are able to afford housing, it, you know, ha- what's happened, the rates have just, the, the rents have just increased oh, so yeah. dramatically that it's difficult for them to keep up. And so one small slip up, one small unexpected bill mm-hmm. puts them in a place where they can't pay their rent. And now they're treading on very thin ice mm-hmm. and trying to rebuild that. And we work with them on creating some contingency and some savings. But, you know, most of us have the resources either personally or in our networks mm-hmm. to be able to overcome, say, you, you know, a tire blows or an engine has problems and you've got three or $400. You usually can find some way to get that. Many of our participants don't have the networks that can help them with that. No, absolutely. And if you're paying 70% of your income on rent, exactly, then you just don't have any extra room to move. You just don't. And so what, what doesn't get paid? Yeah. You know, and it's, it's a challenge. And uh, do you work with other agencies to help these folks find maybe, maybe they're eligible for housing assistance, that sort of thing? Absolutely. Well, that's where Project uh, um, Impact Northwest comes mm-hmm. in to play. They have some rapid rehousing. So for some reason they, they get an eviction notice. There's funds there to help support that. We obviously work with the Housing Resource Center and SHARE uh, to make sure that when they're working in that range, that we're working together mm-hmm. in that realm. If they're working with SHARE to try to get housing and they're doing all the things they need to do for housing, we're working with them on how does their employment piece support that so that they're kind of going side by side with mm-hmm. housing being a priority and then housing, uh, then employment can kick in. Uh, we work with, you know, all the mental health and, I mean, anywhere we can refer them for any kind of support. There's a lot of faith-based organizations that will step up. Uh, there's a lot of funding that we get that we can use as well to help with some certain things. But um, the real problem isn't as much the funding. It's just the physical space for mm-hmm. them to live. Yeah. And it's it's pretty tough sometimes. Absolutely. When somebody goes through the program, uh, do you keep do you keep in touch with folks who've gone through? We do. Uh, not as well as I think we'd like to. We have a, a piece for retention. So we do work with them. One, to just keep track and see how successful they were mm-hmm. in sustaining employment. Two, we, we say we have a lifetime guarantee. You know, if, if you've come through a Partners in Careers program, you can come back at any time if you're having an issue or if you're underemployed or you become unemployed again. And occasionally we see people come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, many times they'll come back just to share their story. Mm-hmm. And some of the most heartwarming things for me are when they come back and they, they talk about what has happened and what has transpired and what that job has brought to them, you know, the stability they have for their child. Because it's not about the job. Mm-hmm. It's about what they can provide for their family. Mm-hmm. And we hear that time and time again. Uh, I remember one woman we had who said, I don't want to work because I want to be with my kids. And we were able to show her that by working, she was able to be with her kids in a way that was really meaningful. And that just flipped the switch. Mm -hmm. Then she was ready to engage because sometimes it's tough. You know, if if you've been on TANF particular, Mm -hmm. um, when you go off TANF and you get a minimum wage job, you were actually making less money than you did with all the support. Mm -hmm. And it's a real, it's a real thing. And they struggle sometimes because it is, it may, you know, they thought they were bad uh, on public assistance, but when they get to this point and some of those supports are stripped away, it takes them a while to, to kind of build back up. Mm -hmm. So it's just, we, we take, we try to stay in touch with them as best we can. Uh, Sometimes they're returning, they get out and then they end up coming back because they haven't been successful. And we assess what's happened and we just go back at it and say, okay, what are we going to do this time? So Mm -hmm. for a community member who 
may not be in the position of needing needing your services, but they're interested in the programs. Uh, I have I have two questions actually. So the first one is what is what are things that we in the community can know or do to help? Whether it's being involved with your organization, that's the second question of like how can somebody mm-hmm. get involved? But in general, what is what are things that are helpful for us to know and do and remember on a day to day basis? Well, housing is number one, and that that's a crisis I know the community is very aware of. If we can find ways to help people be stabilized, um, that would be very helpful. Other ways is when if you are hiring, you know, to to look through your applications and, and see if there's a, a chance to make a connection with someone who. Mm-hmm you know, might be struggling with some barriers. Or if you have an employee that's struggling, look past, look for the root cause. So if you have an employee who's late, try to find out what's causing that. Mm-hmm. You know, it might be that if they ride the bus in particular, there may be things that are beyond their control. And so to kind of look, try to find the root problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're working with an employee that that may be, you know, struggling with some of these, uh, or if you're looking to hire. If you're looking to hire and you see someone who has partners and careers in the resume, we ask you to at least look. Take a look and see what they bring. Um, we would like to call it our stamp of approval, and we will be very you know, honest in um, letting you know where their skills are. But we do know that to come through our program, they've at least heard it before, mm-hmm. which could be better than someone else. Uh, other than that, I think it's really just about having an awareness that there are people that do struggle with employment mm-hmm. uh, for lots of different reasons. And you know, there's no easy fix. You know, It's really about helping people uh, give them a hand up, not a handout. We are not a handout organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, we really help them use their resources and build on that. So it would, you know, it's just like look past the situation and see if there's there's something more to the story mm-hmm. uh, is the biggest thing from a community perspective. What's the best way for folks to find out more about you? Well, we have our website at, at www.partnersincareers.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can also call me at PIC and our number is 360 360- Six nine six eight four one seven. They can send me an email, which is simply Sharon at swwpic.org, uh, or they could stop by our office. We're in Minnehaha on Fifty Second Street, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, if you came, you would see kids working on their GED. You'd see people searching for jobs, and you would just probably see someone having a really good day. And uh, we would love to have people stop by and see what's going on. Well, excellent. Oh. Well, Sharon Pessett, Executive Director of Partners in Careers, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Temple. It's been a pleasure. And that's our show. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm your host, Temple Lentz, and this has been Hello Vancouver. To find out more about Hello Vancouver, visit our website, hellovancouver.us, and be sure to check out our live stage shows in Vancouver, Washington, every other month. Hello Vancouver is produced by High Five Media.